Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Danny, good morning, brother. Well, good afternoon where you are in, in sunny Thailand. How are you, mate? Yeah, great, brother. Great, great to be uh, back on the show and great to see you again. Hey, great to, great to host you a, 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 again. And um, even greater to see that you're still smashing the, uh, the good things in life. And, and, and this time it's a book. This time it's a book, but it's a 25-year coming book, so it's a big occasion to get to get to the end of this one. It's been something that's been on my noggin for a while. Yeah, and that's a nice thing, isn't it? Uh, I don't want to get too sidetracked here for the people that have tuned in to see about publishing, but um, if you've got the idea to write a book, you've got to follow it through. Otherwise, it's just going to nag you your whole life, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I mean, I've never written a novel. This was a set a new experience to write a story amongst real events but make it you know not believable in a, in a true sense but uh it was a challenge and, and to be honest it's been something i've been thinking about for years and years and years eight years ago i put a lot of time into it and then covid happened i think after the last time we spoke seven months ago for the last six months i've just been doing this full time so it was thanks to covid i had the time to finish this long-term project yeah what's that so what's your book about called at the moment it's called little kingdoms um it's uh i don't even know what genre yet to put it into that's why this would be a great conversation you know it's uh, it's based in in 2072 and we're looking back after like heaven's been on earth peace been on the world for 40 years and we're looking back to what went on and the journey through a couple of main characters through the 90s throughout into the that time so it's the emperor who's telling the story the second coming of the second coming is imminent. So the second coming's already happened. The next second coming is imminent. So it's about how they prepare the kingdoms for this new event. And then it goes back into, you know, back into 1986, builds up the characters. But the main theme throughout is the two main characters are on the run. One's an ex-commando an ex who's traveling the world. He meets a, a Canadian. An ex-marine for our friends at home. Next Marine, Royal Marine Commando, who's traveling the world. He's left the Marines dedicated to go find God and find his soul. And along the way, he meets a Californian model and they go surfing together. And then as that evolves, they end up on the run from an elite pedophile gang. Um, and then the story unfolds about the evils of that period of the time and how evil was conquered, I suppose, is the, is the, is the theme of the book. But it goes through religious text, Christianity, Islam and Buddhism and, the, and the, the characters of those prophets, their characters are actually giving the heavens advice on how they're going to come down and have the final attack on the world um, to bring peace, to bring heaven to the earth. So it's, it's a bit horror as well. You know, there's a few torture scenes in there, be few sex scenes in there, a lot of religious text. So I don't know <laughs> how we how we make this a genre, but uh that's the main theme of this book. It's about how the world became at peace and uh, the evils. The reason the story has been told by the emperor is so the evil can't creep back into the minds of the people. 
So first thing there, as Stephen King would say, is write what you know, isn't it? You know, or, or, or loosely base your, your, your fiction on, on, on stuff that you know about. And then you, you, you get one thing that you're going to do there is you're going to write accurate stuff. You're not trying to guess like what, what does a gun, you know, how does a gun work? What, what, what's the name of the gun? How many bullets does it? Because once you try and do that and you don't know about it, you can do it. And I, I, my, my first. But even guys like us can do it. And then we think to ourselves, when you read back on it, you know, you write down this happened, one loading drill, that happened, unloading drill. And then you think about it and you think, well, that practically probably couldn't happen. That was just my story coming down. So it takes a long time, even for guys like us, to make sure that we get that accurate. Yeah. But yeah, you can, it's uh, a great process. But it's really challenging. I don't know about you, Chris, but writing a, a novel where, it, where it's, you know, you're, it's challenging in the sense that you do have to go into those deeper spheres. It's the reason it took so long to write is because once I wrote the God stuff and the Jesus stuff and the Muhammad stuff and the Buddha stuff, I went into a kind of spiral and depression of guilt that even I thought I should or I could do that. It took ages to really get my head around. You can play God for one minute and then you can play the devil for the next minute. And then you have to deal with that in your own head while everyone's going, hey, man, I was at work today. Or, or you go down the gym, open the gym, and, and, and you, you do that. So I just found the balance of writing this book, book or topics like this. They needed a lot of deep research, especially child elite pedophile gangs and how they operate and the, the satanic religious abuse that goes along with that. So I had to learn a lot about the victims, and that took years, and, and, and it didn't that, – that, that research is not nice, mate. You know, it's, there's nothing nice about it that sort of stuff, when you start to realize that's actually going on in the world. It's breaking out, people are hearing about it now, but when you realize that there's actually victims out there telling you stories and there's six hours of one one victim or 10 hours of another, and you have to sit through that, and, I, and that that was hard. I didn't make those stories, um, you know, the horrible part about that's not, not in the book, but how they overcame that and how they got around that is, so yeah. It was challenging for sure. And I think like Stephen King too, was very inspired by Stephen King. A lot, I read a lot of his books and they frightened the shit. <laughs> so when you're writing stuff, which is quite evil, it's, it frightened the shit me, you know, and, and I had to get Lisa in on this with me about four months ago. So I just, it was just, I wanted to make one book. I've got 10 or 15 books of this stuff, Chris, there's loads of it. But I didn't, I couldn't know how, I didn't know how to start it, how to have a middle, how to have an end. How do that? And Lisa's more academic than me. So for the last three months, she's been helping and bring a story and a plot line together. And it really came together. Like all the stories just simply just gel, almost like a divine experience. You know what I mean? After all these years. Your partner. My wife, yeah. Wife, I'm sorry. I was trying to avoid that word because I, I get that a lot. How's your wife? And I'm like, I haven't got one. <laughs> but, you, but you go along with it because she's a common law wife and you have a kid together. So it's a reference point to your partner, it, right? It me, but, makes, means nothing, makes no difference to me, but... Um, we can talk about Lisa and I's married. Lisa and I got married in Thailand in a, on a mountain, uh, just the two of us, before we did the process of registering marriage. So I, I, I have a, a very firm belief that marriage should be for love and uh, anything other than that. It shouldn't cost you money. It shouldn't cost you $50,000 or pounds for a, for a wedding ceremony, especially if you haven't got it. You know? Yes, exactly. So I just wanted to make a couple of points there for our our uh, viewers at home. Um, if you're going to write fiction, I'd strongly suggest 
getting a hold of Stephen King's audio book on writing. I say the audio book, it depends what your thing is, but you, you can have that playing every spare minute of your day. And it's very engaging because if you've made that commitment to write a book, you will like this book because it's telling you the stuff you're starting to figure out about your about structuring your your novel and and your dis, your descriptive narrative and your characters and and your plot and this kind of thing so it was very uh, uh, affirming i think is the word when i when i i listened to that book in the car for about a year just over and over and over right while i wrote my first novel which is the drift congratulations um yeah and that's that's another point isn't it when you hear oh somebody's writing a book and you haven't written one because you know it's not your thing yet or whatever you you gloss over because you don't know that emotional attachment and effect that writing a book has on the author you just think oh my mate dave's writing a book you don't think that, no, Dave sat there, he's become a part of this book, the characters are him, are inside him now. He's thinking ahead to, will I get published? Is my work good enough? Have I learned the punctuation, the grammar, the narrative, the scenes, the scene setting? Uh, how, how long should my book be? Oh, what happens if it comes out and people think I'm an idiot? You know, it's... It's uh, the real there's a real anxieties that they go through your process of writing all the time you're absolutely right you it's, i think writing a story is easy because it's easy you just put it down it's your idea you get excited and as long as you're not worried about your grammar then you know and you can and you can write it for as long as you want it's a great plot line great story and then you go to your first edit the first time you're reading it for real and you realize how many the are there how many has are there how many words there weren't there and there's so many different words once you see them, then you have to really work at the art of writing. And I'm not, I didn't have an English level. I didn't have anything like that. I've written a couple of books. I've got experience of adult education to help me get to, you know, get through this. But I think the process of editing was hard. And I know, I know now, having spoken to a lot of authors who have had some success and have or have not, that this is the scariest and hardest part, getting to the end of that process when you're ready to give it to someone and say, do you think this is a business worthwhile, a, pro a project worthwhile of your business? And and that's the difference between having a nice story to tell and having a published book like you have, mate. And that's why when I asked you the other day, I sent you an email or I sent you a message and said, look, Chris, I'm at the stage now where I'm going to be writing to agents and, and looking for a publisher. Have you any advice you can give me? Potholes I can miss so I don't just go around blindly but my friends have been there before. And thanks for um, allowing me to have this time with you one-on-one. -on -one to talk about which is the most important part of my life right now, I mean, to be honest. Yes, and I'll just give a shout out, another shout out here is anyone who wants to write a book, whether it's fiction or memoir, read my free, I make nothing off this at all. Sometimes they put it for 99p on Amazon, I think, but it should be for free on Amazon as a, as a Kindle book. And for anyone who doesn't know, anybody can read a Kindle book. You just download a Kindle app to your phone or your or your device, and then you 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 put the Moby file on there, which is your Kindle book. My 
book is called How to Write a Memoir from Procrastination to Print. And the procrastination word is, that's the key word in that phrase. Um, and the reason I chose that is how long do we procrastinate about writing a book? We, we, we can do it for years. And it's actually really simple to start writing your book. You get a glass, you fill it with wine, or you open a beer, if that's your thing. Obviously, I don't do that so much these days. And you sit down and you start making a list. And you have a sip of your drink and you write, this guy said that to me. And then you go, oh, and then I hopped on the bus. Okay, maybe not such banal memories, but the time that uh, this guy said this to me about this. Then the next thing, and you're capturing all those seminal moments that, that are all buzzing around your head. And you don't have to write them in any order. You can say, oh, ah, the time when I, I got the movie contract. Yeah. Oh, the time when they told me I hadn't got the movie contract. Right. And what you're doing is you're putting your story, you're bomb bursting it onto paper. And then you go through it and, and you copy and paste and put it into then a timeline. Um, what am I saying? What, what I'm saying is all you're doing is sat in your computer having a glass of wine. And yet you've just become a writer. You are now right. on your way to being an author. It is that simple and it's that enjoyable. It's 100% agree. I've, I've published ebooks before, Fighting Your Demons, Attitude Revolution, The Bible of Boxing, A Boxing Tutorial, and getting them done took a long time. But like you said, when, the only way you could do that was sit down with a bit of paper, a glass of wine, and write down your notes, write down your notes, and then look through your notes and, 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 and start to use your notes as, a, as a, a paragraph. Write something down about that. Memory. And then keep on going down. By the time you get to the other, I'll go to number one again, you've remembered more because it opens up more as you write down your list. And I think, I think you're right, Chris. There's so many people. Everyone has always said to me, I've got a book in me. I've got a book in me. Some of the stories I tell, it's like a movie. And I'm like, one day I'm going to have to write these stories. And when I came back from Iraq in 2008, that's what I started doing. So I've had a little bit of experience, not a lot, but a little bit of experience with the eBooks and the success they can give me with clients and and, and, and what groups that we had over the years. But this is a different different game for me now. I don't want to self-publish anymore. It's exhausting. It costs a lot of money. It has little return unless you're really successful, you know? So I think... Well, we'll, what, sorry? we'll talk, we, we will talk about that because it's all part of each other. It's probably a yeah. simple way of putting it. You know, self-publishing, there's actually different types of self-publishing as I'll, I'll come on and explain. And then there's your traditional publishing. Um, That's right, yeah. I'm just going to bomb burst here and talk in no particular order. But in the old days, you had traditional publishers. You had to be a bit sort of, let's say, a bit smart, a bit committed, a bit good at English. Um, and you had to have a good imagination to write a book, right? And you generally had quite a bit of life experience behind you. And what happened is you wrote this manuscript and it, it, it had promise. So you could then go to either a traditional publisher directly. So you're kind of Pan Macmillan 
nowadays you've got Virgin, all, Hodder and Stoughton, all these big publishing houses names. If, if they allowed you to submit directly, you, you put in your, um, uh, you put in, a, say, the first 30 pages of your manuscript, you put a cover letter explaining who you are and why this book is going to just smash the market. And, you know, if you were lucky and even being a brilliant writer, you still had to have that little bit of perseverance to go to as many publishers until someone said yes or or you had to have that bit of luck the other option there is was to find an agent somebody who's not as stressed as the publisher because they're getting you know a hundred manuscripts a day most of which just go go get looked at by an intern and chucked in the bin the agent had time to get to know you to see oh you know oh there's something in this story i know a publisher that and they have the power to get the publisher to go, Oi, John, have a look at this one. Yeah, it's, and they know immediately if my agent, if this agent is saying it's worth a look, it's probably worth a look, right? Yeah. Now, that's traditional, the traditional route. And it has its pros and cons, and it's changed over the years. 20 years ago, if a traditional publisher took on a book, it was because it was going to be good. They had the power to put in every single bookshop in the world for argument's sake. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously, when the Internet online shopping came, they had the power to it to put it out through those channels as well. And you were guaranteed if they took you on, you were going to make a pretty penny. They'd give you a nice ad- advance. And there you were. Your career as an author had begun because you show promise, they'd sign you up for a three book deal. Um, if you don't write those books, you've got to give your advance back. It's, it's, you know, you're not going to get this stuff for free. And yeah, what that did is, is it meant the writers that made it were bloody successful. Your Stephen Kings, your, your Willard Price, your, um, Dan Brown, yeah, all, all these kind of names. Um, uh, even your early writers like Duncan Faulkner, who's a who's a friend of mine, the SBS chap. Um, Wilbur Smith, obviously a very big name. He wrote the Leopard, uh, the Leopard Growls in the Darkness, or something, wasn't it? Or the Leopard Prowls in the Darkness. It was his first book based on his Africa experience. Bang! University educated guy, top university loads of experience in Africa and, and there you go. Jobs are good on, right? Um, now, the, the issue there is for communal garden guys like us, we're not really going to get a look in on, on, on that scene unless we happen to be a world-class footballer in which case someone would write our book for us or we'd spent a hundred days in a life raft. And even if our writing was rubbish, the publishers like, we want that story. We, we can edit it. We can sell books. Right. Um, and so it limited the market and a lot of talent because you're talented, Danny, I'm talented, not, you know, probably, 
not, not the most talented guy in the world, but obviously I've written six or seven books now. Um, yeah. we, we'd be out there in the ether without a looking. Then Amazon came along and before Amazon, there was something called boutique publishing. The boutique publishing was something of a con. I, I'm just like, I can't Take speak, can't, can't speak for all of it. Um, but what I'm saying is these were, were organizations that said, Hey, Danny, yeah, we like your book. Bullshit, right? They're going to say that to everyone. Uh, if you pay us 5,000 pounds up front, we'll get it edited. We'll get it published. Da, 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 da. And you'll be a millionaire. Yeah. And of course, what did they do? They, they probably printed like five copies, one to give you back to feed your ego, one to put in their, you know, shop, their online shop window or what. And they had no intention of making you a best-selling offer. They just wanted the £5,000. It's called boutique publishing. Um, and then, and, and boutique publishing, and you still get it now, I get a lot of people come to me with a great manuscript and they're like, Chris, I found this company and they're going to publish for me. And I say, how much do they want? Oh, only two and a half thousand. I'm like, okay, you, you pay them that two and a half thousand and you're going to make probably seven quid on your book. And that will be your family that buys it. They've got no intention of putting your book into the market, not on any kind of, they haven't got the, the power. They haven't got the, the, the distributorship. They haven't got the advertising, this kind of thing. Right. Um, so you still get that kind of boutique thing going on now, but then of course with the advent of Amazon and that's now KDP. So the Kindle Kindle direct publishing platform or something. Um, it's opened it up to everybody. Now the benefit is for jacks like us, we can get published. The downside is 95% of what goes on Amazon KDP. So you what you call um, self publishing is really poor. I'm not going to swear here because I, I don't, I, I appreciate people put the effort in, but what it's done is it's appealed to the ego in people that you can be a published author. Well, it, yes, but the standard of that book compared to what's coming out of a publishing house is like, you know, the, the Magna Carta and a bit of toilet paper. And I'm not exaggerating. Um, it, the, the grammar, the punctuation is, can be embarrassing. The typesetting's non-existent. You've got the chapter name coming off the top of the page. You've got a cover that looks like it was designed by a, a, a 16 year old in art college. Or, or sorry, in the, in the sixth form. <laughs> and that's no, these days kids are bloody good at stuff like that. But I think you know <laughs> what probably, I'm trying to yeah. it to the 16 year olds at this age. <laughs> the, the covers on self-published book for years, it looked like the author didn't like themselves. <laughs> it looked like they didn't want to sell books. They were abysmal, right? And that's the situation with self-publishing. But 
he is the the third way as as it were um and i'm going to explain the benefits of going down these routes to you danny um if i don't lose track of what i'm trying to say the third the third way especially for somebody with your uh skills and commitment is you start your own publishing company right it's not difficult you don't even have to register as a limited company or company's house and anything you just need a name right so let's use the example denny denny's books right you're not going to use your own name but you know awesome. um or kotal books right it, it doesn't matter and what that allows you to do in fact you can do it as a private individual is you can buy isbn numbers so that is that number there on your book that barcode and i, I won't go into the wise or wherefores but you go to a company called nielsen i think there's a couple of companies you pay them let's say a hundred dollars hundred pounds and you can buy 10 ISBN codes, right? That the ISBN code is the official international code number of that publication. That is the number used whatever platform it goes on, whether it's Amazon, whether it's, um, you know, whether they're coding it in your local library, whatever, whatever it might be. And what it also allows you to do is when you then publish through KDP Amazon, rather than have this book is published through Amazon, so everyone knows, ah, oh, self-published author, probably going to be a bit crap, right? No, what it allows you to do is put your company name in there, published by Denny's Books, right? What I'm trying to say here, it just gives it a little bit more of a professional veneer, what you then do to keep up that professionalism, and we'll talk about the money that you can make this way afterwards, because it's not a, it's not all plain sailing, folks, is we'll take the book. First of all, a big thing, it's got to have a cover that's engaging, that people look at and go, ah, you know, this one is done by the wonderful former Marine Andy Screen of Golden Rivet. Um, Andy will work with you so you get what you want, not, not what he thinks is good, although you come to a happy medium. You get a nice cover, all laid out properly, artwork that's individually done. I mean, he drew that him, him, himself. You get a nice, you can't probably see this, but there's a nice faded picture of the life raft on the back there, a little bit of clip art to separate the... Um, description yeah. from the from the blurb, blurb blurb quotes the blurb quotes is where you go to another author i did it literally yesterday spoke um spoke to the, one of the world's top ultra runners and said brother he's a fellow serviceman so brother could you do me a quote bang didn't even uh, read the manuscript just ping me the quote because when you get into the circuit as it were people know that your work's going to be good is what i'm trying to say um yeah. his quote was more about my commitment it was a charity i ran the length of the country i've just written a book about it 
if someone's run the length of the country and written a book, it's you can afford to just give them a quote, right? Sorry, I'm, I'm yep. sidetracking slightly. So you get your, your blurb quote. Um, this one's written by the wonderful Mark Time, who wrote Going Commando. Um, yeah, thank you, Mark. Um, you have your logo. Literally for free, you can go on a website, type in Denny's Books, and they will come up with a logo in a split second for you. And you've got a choice of maybe a hundred different logos for Denny's books, right? So giving it again, a little bit of that professional veneer. Um, in addition, you have the picture of your next book on there, obviously promotion and a little bit of artwork, just, just that ties in with the story. You don't, you don't have to do this. When you look at the spine, it's all nice and down the middle. It's all laid out properly. You've, again, you've got your logo, you've got your author name. Doesn't look like it's been done you know, by a 17-year-old on, on, on Microsoft Windows, right? Well, um, so that's that. Go into the inside of the book. So all this is laid out by your, your book, book cover designer. Quote, obviously, from another author doesn't have to be another author if your mate's called dave smith and he's going to say something great about your book do people really care who dave smith is they probably just think oh dave smith's like a really good runner or he's a good author it, it, it's it's just the, the the finishing touches um inside the book that's your cover page so that is an actual image there it's not just typing logo at the bottom very simple then you have your verso i think it's called verso or versa i think it's verso page which is this one and you need to get on a search engine and just type in what do i write on a verso page and it's simple so this one says the drift first published in great britain by surf books 2000, 2016 God, where do those four years go? Um, www.surfbook.com. That's my company. I'm quite, quite proud of it. Surf is a play on my surname, which is Thrall. Thrall, we were the lower class of Viking warriors. So we were the... We were the... Water bank, water. Who's that? Water bank person. <laughs> Live in the mountain. All right, back. Sorry about that. So yeah, so Surfbooks is my company name, but bit proud of that. Uh, there's your ISBN, the one I talked about. It's just just the number, not the barcode. All rights reserved. No part of this publication can be blah 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 reproduced. To be honest, I don't really yeah. care about that. But it look, this is what you have in books, right? There's um, a shout out to my designer, Golden Rivet, his website. There's a very clever number here that they they don't tend to use anymore, but it's a it's a one to 10 sequence that depending on how it's numbered depends on which edition of this book or which, um, yeah, which edition yeah. of this book we're talking about. And then copyright text, Chris Thrill, 2016, right? There's your dedication. This one's for my son. Map, because my, this novel requires you to know a little bit about the North Atlantic or the, the Atlantic Ocean. 
And there you go. I chose to have a nice little graphic for each chapter heading. Um, there you go, marijuana leaf. And then at the back, just go to any book on your bookshelf and see how the back's laid out. And it's always going to be the same. So this one's actually got proof written on it because this is an author's copy. This you can order from Amazon before your book goes out just to check everything's fine. I'll also talk about another publisher that you'll need to use if you're going down this route. And that's called Ingram Spark. Um, you'll get a few blank pages at the end, depending on how the, the printer's print machine is set out. So on the back thing, I've got books by Chris Thrall, acknowledgements, my bio. So Chris Thrall is a former Royal Marine, websites. Um, and there you go, last, last page of the book. And so what I'm trying to say in essence is everything that a traditional publisher does, you can do now because you've got the power of the internet at your fingertips. You can get the designer. You can type into a search engine, how do I lay out my book? All of it is typeset. So you've got your page numbers nice and neat at the bottom. They're not disappearing off the bottom of the page. I've got the drift here. So the name of the book, I've got Chris Rawl on this page. That's because in this book, I don't have chapter name. I have no names for the chapters, just numbers. So I don't need to have the chapter name here. So I chose the name of the book and my author name. And when you can format all of this in Microsoft Word, and there's a special way you do it. Again, you're going to have to learn this. It's too much to say, but you learn how to uh, do se section breaks. That way your numbers keep continuously, but this will change per chapter if that's the way you're doing it. Um, if you haven't got chapters, you don't need the section break so much, but that's called typesetting. Now, that in essence makes you a published author with a publishing company. Okay. No one's trying question. to play. Question, if you don't mind, just a quick yeah. question. So you've written six publications. Have you, have you published them all through your publishing company and done this process with each of them? No. Good lesson to learn here. I had three traditional publishers. And we can come on and talk about how, how you land one of those deals. Yeah. There is a backdoor method, which I think everyone's ears have just gone like that, really. Yes, of course there is. It's called life, right? There's always a bit of nepotism or favorship or appealing to people's senses, right? But I um, had three traditional publishers. The first one, I got to approach me because I got a think outside the box mentality. I just always have, always have had that, right? Don't go the hard way, just go, do, go the easy way and think, right? So my first publisher approached me. Um, that publisher then... Uh, commissioned uh, a rights deal for my book. So my first publisher was in Hong Kong. They commissioned a UK publisher or a European publisher to have the European rights, okay? 
and the Com Commonwealth. Um, I then did something which is you will have to do if you go down the traditional publishing route and you're not happy with the way they're treating you and your book. And that is I gave them a, a, a notice of end of contract, right? Which a lot of authors think they can't do, but you can. If you don't think, they will give you a contract when you start out. You will naively sign it because you think, oh, I'm going to be public. What you don't realize is you're signing your life away to this company. And I'm going to be honest here, folks. They're not going to do much for you. And I'll explain why in a minute they don't do much for you. You will end up with your book. Great for the first three months. It's in the shops. It's on. It's selling in the top 1,000 on Amazon. And then suddenly it will be gone. And you're like, John, where's... Oh, we haven't, we haven't printed another... But it's run out on Amazon. People can't buy it. People could, and and you know it's your baby. You've carried it. You've written this thing for nine months minimum, probably a year. My first book, a year and a half. These folks have just taken it away, and you can't do anything other than what you can do through your social media and you know trying to get interviews and stuff. All of which you'll be doing yourself. Um. That, so that was with the. Sorry, that was with a publishing company direct? Yes. I've never had an agent. Okay. I had, uh, so the second publisher, I said, sorry, I'm not happy. I actually flew to Ireland to have it out with them. And that put them in a panic because publishing companies don't want gobby authors that are telling people, stay clear of these people, right? And they will very quickly give you your rights back it's it's just how it is right once something's on the internet it's on there for life so if you just say i've signed up with these guys and they're just absolutely rubbish that that then is just in the author sphere people are, other people are going to read that right so i'm digressing slightly so my third publisher i approached and i didn't have to do the uh synopsis and author it's just a case of an e an email hi dave can you give us a quick bell i'm chris rule the author um books an international bestseller and and they're like oh sure chris you know you you got to use your bit of psychology here right and you got to max out i mean my book was a bestseller in two different countries so technically that's international <laughs> you know that's a great yeah. I'm not saying this to try to like be something I'm not. I'm saying it because you've got to try and make it as an author. It, it's not going to be given to you. It's not like the 20 years ago where if they choose you, you're the golden boy. You're the golden calf. You're the new Jesus as far as they, they're going to put you around the world. It's not like that anymore. Right. So third publisher. Yep, Chris, no problem. Didn't I, I didn't even have to meet them, um, although I did go to London and meet them. The the manager walked into his meeting on a Monday and said, yeah, I've got this guy, Chris Rule, it's called Eat and Smoke. It's, it's currently this rank on Amazon or whatever. And they said, yeah. And I was lucky with them. They let me work 
with the editor because I'm quite, you know, I, it's my art. It's my story. It's my memoir. It's about the time I almost died from from drug addiction. Right. I, I It's got to be right. Um, and they let you have your input on the cover. And that's good. Not all companies are going to do that. It depends what what you want from your writing to what you allow. Some people finish a manuscript, it's not really edited or proofread, they just chuck it to the publisher and they're delighted. They're, pub they're a published author. They don't care that the editor then cuts a third of it out, changes uh, the, I mean, I one publisher changed all my grammar to, to American. I, my heart fell through the floor, Danny, to see gotten in my book what and this was an english editor what will you do this is what you you know this is the frustration yeah, I, had, I had the very same experience when i wrote facing the demons i gave it out to an editor it cost me a fortune mate and when it came back it was like a christmas tree it was just all lit up with all these different things but what they were trying to do was take away the the dialogue more than take away the, the you know sure if i got it wrong Sure, but they were taking away the dialogue of things that were said. Yeah, and, uh, and also, it's also well, quite a bit of a for me to say it was quite a uh, for me writing my first book. You know, it was more of a memoir type thing as well, giving advice. It actually made me look at you know how I write because you are writing for an audience rather than writing for yourself, right? So there's a, there has to be an adjustment. I've been, I've, I mean, twelve years to be an author selling books online. I've never had a traditional contract or an agent. And I suppose at this stage, I'm listening to what you, everything you're saying. I'm taking it in like a sponge. But it's like there's so many different ways to do this, isn't there? Well, um, it, it, it essentially, ignore all the stuff that I'm saying. It boils down to quite a simple way. Unless you're the big celebrity or the big adventurer that's just like... Nims Dai, who I chatted with yesterday on my podcast, climbed 14, the world's 14 highest 8,000 meter mountains in six months. He actually wrote his book. He, he got a little bit of support with it. He's, he's English isn't his first language, um, but he did actually like sit down with a guy and they wrote, I think they wrote it. You know, he, he basically wrote his book. The guy gave him some support. Of course, he's going to get snapped up by a. This is the the dream for publishers that these guys come along, right? Because that's your Christmas book, isn't it? That's going to be on the shelf at Christmas, right? So, what? Just one point there. I I forgot to mention about this. Obviously, you pay an editor. Unless you get to where I'm at, which is through hard graft and learning, because I had GCSE English which I did in the Marines. So I failed at most things at school, completely self-taught. I now know how to write a book with proper grammar and punctuation. And I know how to cheat, which is a big thing as an author. I know where there should be a comma, but I can get away with taking it out, right? Unless you get to that stage, and I'm also at the stage where I can read the text and I... I will delete, and I usually do, I delete the best bits in my book. You might be thinking, what? It's called Kill Your Darlings. The bits that are great to you are great because they feed your writer's ego. 
They don't need to be in the book generally. They're normally an aside. The hard process in that part of editing is hard because you'll find a, a paragraph, everything runs smoothly, the pacing's good, dialogue's good, and then you come across a part that just stands out. You know you what you wrote and what you felt at the time, but then you delete it, maybe a whole paragraph, and then everything starts to flow again. So I, I hear what you're saying. There, yeah, for sure. And you can, what I do is I have what I call a scrap document. And if I take something out that's really good, I put it in the scrap document and I save it for a rainy day. I might be able to use it in a blog. I, I, a lot I, you know, I probably won't use it, but it's just a good exercise. It gives you, it's like having a little bit of a safety blanket. So Definitely. that is the other crucial thing that sets a good writer and publisher out from your self-published stuff is they realize if they're not, and I'm not talking people that are good at English here. I mean, people that are good at proofreading and editing, which I am now. And it, I've been doing this 12 years, right? If you haven't done that, put that time in, what you've got to do is pay someone and you can find people in your budget. I've worked with the best or the best editor in the UK. I had to pay him about a thousand pounds a book for my, for my fiction, but that's cheap, you know, but he was good. Right. Was Can I ask you a question? And and your books, I, was, I'm, I'm, I apologize. I haven't read your books, and I'll apologize to all at all. And I know I mentioned in both of your books, I haven't had a chance to read them yet. Um, Sean Chapel, I haven't had a chance to because for the last eight years, I've just been trying to get into this book and everything I've been writing, I've been writing and researching in that area. So I've got, I've got, I can't wait to publish this book and let it roll for a little while, so I can sit back and then start to read my mates' books and catch up. But but Chris, up. I didn't, but how, how many pages or how many words is average in your books? Because we're, we're probably hitting about 100,000 words right now. Right. To give you an idea, I wrote Eating Smoke. I finished the manuscript in five months from nothing. Um, the manuscript was two books. It was 240,000 words, which is double that. It's literally... I wrote yeah. that much for my first book in five months. I then, through the process of learning, went through it and I edited it probably about 12 times, right? It's not a proofread, it's an edit. Although, obviously, I'm doing a bit of proofreading as I go. I, I then got my manuscript down to 160,000 words, Okay. And I, when it went to my first publisher, I said, I don't want it changed. That's my story. Now, that was the naivety and the inexperience in me. First of all, people just want a book that size. That, yeah, that's a book size. Yeah, you can do the Shantaram thing if your book is really like a, an absolute epic tale, right? What, what I did for my third publisher is when they said, sorry, Chris, 160 that it's it's too big for a book and you've got to remember they got to pay printing cost and storage cost and they their warehouse is only a certain size so they want nice little books this size right your typical paperback size so chris we need 120 i went let me do it they went okay so they let me edit the book and i went through and without taking any content out I reduced it a little bit like 
sieving, sieving the manuscript and getting the, the real fine stuff, the good stuff out and keeping the clumpy bits in. So repetition, that's, that can go. If you said in chapter one, yeah, I joined the Royal Marines commandos and we had to crawl across a wire and did it. And you said in chapter 26, yeah, in the Royal Marine commandos, we went on this endurance course, man. And we, you know, we had to get wet and carry it. It's, it's one of them examples can go, can't it? You've, you've told everyone you're a big, rough, tough commando. You, it's your ego speaking. Get rid of that, right? Second thing is repetition. Uh, uh, you know, Danny woke up in the morning, decided he wanted a cup of coffee. He walked into the kitchen, made a cup of coffee. Da, 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 da. That is... Denny woke up, put put the kettle on, right? Denny woke up, hit the espresso button on the on the coffee machine, right? You, you learn to just unpack words that are that long. You learn to pick the important ones and make your sentence that it's exactly the same sentence. It's just much better written. And I got rid of forty thousand words doing that, right? Another one's dialogue. Look at your dialogue. Do you need to say he said, she said? If it's obvious, who's no? Of course you don't. If, if you're like, hi, Danny. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm fine. How's the uh, boxing going? Yeah, it's going well, mate. Yeah, you still in the same gym? Yes, mate. Right. It's, hey, Danny, you still boxing in that gym? Yes, Chris. Right. You've just cut that much dialogue down to that. And you said exactly the same thing. Right. This is this is what what you learn. So. Right. That was the final point on your publishing company that you're going to start. You're going to pay an editor. An editor is not your mate, Dave, who did English at school. That is not an editor. An editor isn't your friend, Edith, who studied uh, English language and literature at Cambridge. She is not an editor, right? Editor is a specific skill. And you can see from what I've just said, how, how, an editor's mind works, right? Yeah. An editor generally will be a proofreader as well these days. So it's called a proof edit. Don't get hung up on the terminology, folk. You just, you go on Fiverr. Many takes of edit and, and it's all expensive, Chris, you know, as well. If you go down that self-publishing route and I, I, like you, have been doing a lot of study over um, English and grammar and how all words work. And mostly for the last few years that's all i've been looking at you know so when we're going through our editing we're in the fifth edit right now so we're just getting to that point where we're we're ready we're ready to sort of put out our first 30 pages and get some feedback from people but but the, the whole point you're making there about you know pacing overused words you know repetitive talking and slowing the pace down with he said she says all that sort of stuff you don't realize how much is that is in there until you've been given a task, let's say, to go to 120 or 100,000 words. When I looked at this project, when I got Lisa on, I have I have a bundle of files written over eight years and um, books which were written 1996 by, by hand. And I put them all on digital. And I have over a, a million words of these books, right? And the challenge for me was getting it for the first novel. My challenge was to get the story to between 80 and 120. About 90, I think 90 is a good goal, where we, we edited right down. So it just came underneath 100,000 words for a first published novel, you know. Sure, the self-help books, 
you know, hundred pages, you know, but this one, you know, I want it to be a series of perhaps 10 books I can see happening from it. But the hardest part was to just get it into one, get the story started because all the other stories all just relatively fall into place. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I absolutely agree with you. I think when we, as I say, I didn't, I didn't even get my GSC in English when I was at school. It wasn't until I was like 24, 25 that I started realizing that I had to be educated a little bit more. Um, as I went through life, became a data engineer and and then being in Iraq, I had to write a lot in Iraq. So I learned from officers. I was doing an officer's job. I learned from a lot of great officers who wrote really well and they wouldn't accept good, um, they wouldn't accept shit writing. They'd just say, no, do that again, do that again. But uh, but I understand the process of editing is frustrating and heartbreaking for the author. Well, but uh, Danny, a lot of people are going to say, oh, Chris, just, just, you know, when you get your publishing deal, they'll do all that for you. Right. Whoa, no. You are in such a competitive market, right? They get so many manuscripts across their desk or, or manuscripts that don't even make it as far as their desk because the, the agent has gone, that ain't good enough for that, you know. But when you present your manuscript or your first three chapters or whatever they require of you, it has to be good. It has to be edited before it goes to an agent or a publisher. Because if they read the first line and it starts off, my name is Denny and I was born in Scotland and I joined that they're just like, oh, fail. You know uh, uh, that ain't interesting. We got, there's a million people in the world writing, 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 writing to that level at the moment. And especially now there's COVID, so there's more authors hitting the scene all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm watching, you know, I watch closely now because we were, I, I certainly didn't until about a month ago, but now I'm getting to that point in the book. I'm watching close, closely at publishing houses, agents, writers, forums, and all that sort of stuff. And what I'm seeing is there's a lot of people who became debut, pub, um, debut books and um, published in COVID. So I think the market's a little bit saturated even more so now because people are publishing more books because people are reading more books. The market's gone up. It's, it's 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 exciting it's scary i'm going into an, an area of business i don't know do you know what i mean so like just listening to you i'm learning a lot you know well, i just want to learn as we can before we we, we shoot off and sort of embarrass ourselves i hope you can somewhere. watch watch this video back danny because you'll probably learn more the second time around yeah well yeah i'm gonna tell you now the technique the public big publishers use which you need to be aware of, okay? Not many people know this. It's certainly not public information. Even the big publishers like your Hodder and Stoughton, your Virgin, um, gosh, you know, can go on and on, but you, you, you guys know what I mean. The people that you'd love to strike a deal with. What they do is they will take on, let's say 2000 books a year Depends how big they are, right? They're a bit smaller than 200. They know when they take those 2,000 books on that only five of those books will sell, right? You're probably going, huh, what? That, that doesn't make sense. Bear with me. Those five books, so you're talking your, your Bravo 2-0, your J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter, 
you know, the, the stuff that just becomes household name, they sell so many thousands, if not a million copies, that they make the publishing house, they pay, they pay the, the staff, the wages, the advertising, the, the, the building rent, property rent, the printers. They, 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 these five books alone each year pay for their whole operation. The rest of the books are just window dressing, right? They know they will probably make a loss. Some of them will break even. Some of them will make a, you know, maybe a decent bit of profit. Nothing like these, these five though, right? Um, and the vast majority of those books will fail and they will lose money on them, right? And those authors will not get, that's it. That, you know, that, that it's, almost, it's almost a bit like the scenario where Hollywood, a Hollywood film company, will buy the rights to your book, Denny, and you'll be like, yay, Hollywood deal. I'm going to be on the big screen, right? No, what they're doing, they're buying your rights so your, your book can't be made into a film because they've also bought the rights to this book and they're going to make that one into it, right? You sign this 10-year, like, non-disclosure, all-exclusive contract to them, not realizing it's because they don't, they're not going to make your book into a film and you're signing for 10 years without, you know, it will say by, by agreeing to this contract does not mean we will, it will be cleverly written and it will be in tiny small print, right? It's a little bit similar with the, these, these publishing houses. And that is why you see the bargain basement bin in the supermarkets and the, where the book you can buy, a book that was 9.99 a month ago it's now 99p it, and or they'll pulp them they'll just take them and make make as much money pulp, pulping the book and this is the cruel nature of commerce it's just the way it works um it doesn't mean you're not an exceptional author it doesn't mean you're not a great artist it certainly doesn't mean you haven't put the effort in it just means that your book didn't quite get that bite in the market and it was yeah. kind of acquired, you can say. The acquisition was more to just have some some we some hear this pressing. We hear this often, don't we? You know, like the, the, I, I know that like, can you hear that? Turkey, a little lizard. Yeah, it's something like it's a little lizard that like, about that size. It'll have about another three or four of them before it'll stop. In the jungle, man, we're right here. <laughs> hey, that is an actual sound effect bonus for people listening through headphones now. It's, we're in the jungle in Thailand. This is what's going on. It's like that right. um, cinema sound you get, <laughs> the, the, the 3D stuff. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, um, so, so we know. So uh, the way I the way I work in my mind, I just want to get this book done. Last six months, it was like I need to get this finished. I want to get it. I want to get it finished so I can get on with the next one and the next one. Next one, I'm trying to break into a career as an author. Got the boxing gym. Got other things going on. COVID has made all that stop. So right now, it's like I would like to go out. I would like as an author now, having spent many years writing, to monetize on this story. At the same time, I think the story would be very relevant to the world as it sits today. I understand that the editing process and it's exhausting. 
And it would, it would never stop, actually. You read it in the processor. If you didn't say stop, it's enough. We could keep on changing the story until we don't get the book out again. My, my, my heart right now with it is, I think I would like to engage, I'm not even going to say you've not done this yet, but I would like to engage in an agent um, so that the publishing company is not then responsible for getting the book to the marketing as well. You know, So an agent, as far as I can read and understand, an agent will take that, that, um, that role on. They're professional in this industry for, for, for like getting like a product to the market and then pushing it. If it's if it's good enough, if it's not good enough, then, then of course you don't get an agent. Let's, let's, let's finish off this kind of publishing thing and I will come on to that, Danny. And for friends at home, I know I'm talking a lot. It's just because this was kind of the... Uh, theme that... This is value of, yeah, yeah, this is kind of the pub... This isn't like a podcast. This is this is for people who genuinely want to become published authors or even write a book, right? So, so here's the thing. If you are like my friend Lou, who skied across Antarctica, the second guy ever to do so, the first guy was uh, Colin O'Brady, right? Both now have top publishing deals, right? I won't say what advance they got because it's not it's it's their business. But let, let's just say Johnny, the footballer, writes that kind of book. He's going to get seventy thousand pounds advance. So for your your, your common or garden guy like us, Danny, two years, maybe three years, nice salary where you live. You make it. You can make that stretch to five years, right? It's it's a it's a good amount of money. Yeah. Um, they've still got to sell that amount of books. If not you got to pay that money back. It's not just like given to you. If your book flops, right? But the publishers are not stupid. They know that if you skied across Antarctica, the second or first guy to do so, your book's going to be a good stocking filler for Christmas, right? And, and they, 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 know these, um, they know these algorithms, right? Now, those two guys might decide never to write a book ever again. Well, who cares? They've made 70 grand on their book, right? If they do write a book, they probably it's because they've had an awesome adventure again. And the publisher's like, yeah, we'll we'll have some of that. So they're kind of set. Right. They, they, you know, if you write an awesome fiction book and it's really hard to get onto the market with fiction. And, and we'll talk about that. Right. But let's just say you are the J.K. Rowling. Right. They see something in your book. Little clue if it's got a lot of Satanism or witchcraft in it. It's no surprise that the corporations want to publish that shit, right? That sorry, that's a bit of a political aside, but what happens is is your book does well. Of course, they'll sign you for a three book deal. So so you're off, okay? But this is not. This is the exception to the rule. It really is um, the exception. So what you're faced with then is getting a middle of the range publisher or what we call a small publishing house. What they're going to do is they'll see merit in your work. They'll realize that they can do one print run, which will generally be about 2000 books, might be 5,000, depends how, you know, what, what scope they've got. And they will work the mathematics and the finances in their head to see what profit they'll make if they can shift those books. They'll have deals with certain distributors that guarantee your book will get, say, 
like my book got into Heathrow Airport, right? Got to number six bestseller in Heathrow, which is kind of like a mad dream come true for me, right? But again, it's kind of like window candy. You'll sell, at, at first you'll get, your first month, 175 books will go out. The second month, 165. Third month, 130. Fourth month, 70. And suddenly you're already, right? What these companies do, Danny, you've got to remember is they've signed you up for your Kindle rights as well for the, for the lifetime, for the rest of your life. If indeed you just sign a contract without negotiating and they know when Danny, no one's going to buy his paperback. We can still have it on Amazon for three ninety nine and Kobo for four ninety nine and and I iTunes or what whatever the platforms are. And even if we sell thirty copies a year, well, we're still going to make sixty um, percent of four quid, which is you know six was two pound forty. We're still going to make money off this guy Danny's hard work for the rest of his life of which you're going to get paid probably like 9p a book Danny right for your right. For, for your pay, for your paperback you're only going to get about 10p you, you know you got to remember they might be paying you 10% but it's 10% of the money they make not the price of the not not the book cover it depends how your contracts written right so that's your smaller publisher quite wily right they won't be like, Danny, you've got to speak to the news of the world tomorrow. Danny, we've got an interview in the Telegraph. Danny, could you hot foot it up to London to go and talk to this TV? That, unless you're incredibly, with an incredibly good publisher, it doesn't happen, mate. They, they don't care about that. They just know the algorithm that they'll sell 2,000 books. If they sell that 2,000 books in two months, because for some reason yours just... Well, of course, they're going to print again, aren't they? Right. Of course they are. But generally speaking, go on any kind of um, small time publishers website. Look at the books that they're selling. Let's say true crime. So your football gangsters, your, your London gangsters, your Cray twin type of literature. Then go on Amazon and look at the bestseller ranking. If it's anything over a thousand right which it will be 99 percent of the publishers books won't be in the top thousand right it's not making any money sorry to say it it's 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 kicking over slowly but it's not going to make you rich and it's not going to make them rich danny right you if a book's like 160 on amazon ranking yeah that's that's a book that's doing well right the highest i ever had Oh, God. On the overall Amazon ranking, so every book in the UK, I think I got to 160 once, right? Yeah. Generally, it's around about the 1,000 the to 5,000 when it first came out. But yeah. as soon as they let the print run drop, right, and you lose that inertia that you've worked so hard for your social media to create, you never get back up to that, you know, not unless... You, you, you go on Loose Women or something or you get on some some other TV programme, right? Or you go and, you know, go and bloody 
get arrested for some despicable crime and everyone wants to know who, who Danny Denholm is, right? So that's already happened, man. We've not talked. That's but not this is but this, this book's not about that. <laughs> so that is the pitfall, is the Kindle trap. So you need a clause in your contract if you go with a small-time publisher to say, if you drop my print book, I get the Kindle rights back. You're not sitting on my book for the rest of my life if you ain't doing no work for it, right? And you're certainly not getting 60% of 4.99 when I get 10p, right? This is this is why it's such a a, a fickle industry. Okay. Mm. Now, what I want to say now, Danny, here is the conundrum. Okay. Here is the conundrum. Unless you are a very good writer, your work is probably produced, so edited and proofread, unless it hits the market. And guys like me and you, Danny, we ain't writing for the market. We're writing for ourselves because we are artists. We're not mass, you know, if we wanted to be consumers, we'd write, I was the toughest Marine and I fought in Iraq. We'd write that kind of, I'm not, there's no criticism by the way. I'm just saying you're going to get a market if you write that stuff, right? Or we, we would write, um, you know, I'm Elton John, the Elton John biography. Uh, did you know that Elton slept with the Watford football team? Do you, you, you know, we, we, we'd, we'd go for that mass market guaranteed to get signed up as a, a deal, right? We're not like that. We're artists. We want our work to represent ourselves. That means we're not necessarily hitting that button with the publishers, right? Um, and so what that means is it becomes even with an agent or even to find an agent is what I mean. Once you get an agent, you, you're kind of all right. They've seen something in your work, right? They're probably going to get you a deal. You're going to get a phone call. Would you, would you accept this offer with this company? And most people are obviously going to go, Oh yeah, please. But getting an agent is now as difficult as getting a publisher used to be because the agents have got everybody coming to them with work. All of it is properly proofread, edited. You know, the stories are generally well, well, I mean, most books are worth a read. All stories are stories. It's in our in our DNA to read stories. Right. What I'm getting to is. It's hard to land that deal, Danny, right? It's hard to land that traditional publishing deal. The conundrum is, so then if you go the self-publishing route, even if you do it through your own company, so it's all, co you know, it, it, it's just as professional as any other company out there, you're going to struggle to sell books. You just are. You're going to put your book on Amazon, um, the other way you do it is you go through KDP on Amazon. It used to be called Smash. Uh, 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 I can't remember what it was called, but Create Space. And Amazon are very good then at selling your book through their platform, at giving you all the good, the good um, royalties, and the, and you get the price down as low as you can, sort of thing, right? But Amazon, your book won't be bought in shops. Shops won't deal with Amazon. 
eight for obvious reasons, Amazon's putting them all out of business, right? So if someone walks into Waterstones in Plymouth and they say, hey, I want the, this great book by Denny Denholm, at least the shop in Plymouth, if, if you go through Ingram Spark as well as Amazon, can go, oh yeah, it's listed here with Ingram Spark. We'll order you a copy in for Monday, right? Have that. If for some reason you become some international personality tomorrow, well, even more of a personality, Denny, those shops might just start having your book on the shelves, right? Um, you can get your book on the shelf through Ingram Spark. If you go and talk to your local bookshop and say, hey, listen, I'm a local author. Could you do us a favor and, you know, get 20 copies of my book? And they're like, yeah, sure. They say that because what they can do if they don't sell them is just return them anyway, Danny, and they don't lose anything. You, you, you lose, right? So that's the, the conundrum is it's very hard to get a traditional publishing deal. But if you self-publish, very few people gonna, other than your mates are going to buy yeah. your work. Wait before everyone gets despondent and thinks I'm putting everyone, you know, everyone's nose out of joint. That is because. Danny, but that is because the landscape of the art of the writing business has changed. Now you need to approach it a different way. One way is um, Jordan Rivet. If you want to social uh, search engine Jordan Rivet, anyone, she's a friend of mine. She started, I, I think she left school or uni, did a few years in a job and went, do you know what? I, she came to my book launch in Hong Kong and it, she'd written one like bloggy book by then she wrote about going to the los angeles olympics i think it was or the sorry the beijing olympics and she wrote a little kindle book about it from that point when i published my first book she published hers she has way surpassed everything i've done she is a beast i mean that respect jordan respectfully right but she's got the author name she's got the, the uh, discipline to sit in Starbucks every day writing and she'll do that all day long. She'll write X amount of thousand words every day. She can produce a whole novel every three months. So she produces about three to four books a year. She does them in box sets. So when someone buys one, they're going to buy the next, the next, the next. She writes for a certain audience. So she writes this kind of mysterious fiction that's very popular with young people. She has a cover that just looks all kind of like, I don't know if bejeweled is the right word, but looks all, you know, looks very, very arty, really good covers. And you can get them quite cheap, folks. You know, you can just go online and order ready-made covers. Just put your name, your, your details on it, right? And... I tell you what, she is a shining example to me, Danny, because she has smashed it by writing with no backstory like me. We got our marine stories, we got our war stories, we've got our adventure stories, we got our druggy stories, we got a lot of stuff to write. Jordan hasn't had that. 
She just sat down and wrote fiction. She started. I'm guessing the work she does now is a way, way, way higher standard than what she started because that's the nature of writing. And she has forged a best-selling career by doing that. So when people come to me and say, Chris, I've written my first book. How is it Facebook? Will you, do I need Twitter? How do I promote? I say, write your next book. Then write yeah, another, that's... then write another. Because if you write one book, Denny, I'm just going to say this how it is. You ain't going to make it and that book's going to fail. You got to write that book. Then you've got to have a backup. So the people that like that one, not only can now buy this one, but they can talk about this one, right? So when they're going on social media, they're not just going, I read Denny's book. Buy it, folks. They're going, I read Denny's book. Now I'm on his next one. It's even better, right? You, you're just maximizing your, your uh, um, exposure in the marketplace. Once you've got 10 books, someone might pick up this one in a secondhand shop or, or you know, or download it, whatever. All starts to bounce off itself, and you start to get that inertia, which allows you to earn money to write as a living. So, all sorry, right. I'm going to pause and take a break there. Does does all this make sense, mate? Hundred percent, mate. Everything you're saying, you know, I've done a lot of resets and this, a lot of the stuff you're reaffirming that, that I already knew. And and my question when I was asking you, I was like, Chris, you know, can you can you guide me into avoiding pitfalls? You've discussed so much there, man. At the end of the day, we knew when we get to the end of this novel, our first novel, I've done books before, self-published. I've, I did well with Fighting and Demons. Hundreds of emails a day when, 12, 11 years ago when it, when it was launched. And for three years, it, it launched me into a career of speaking and, and doing tours and workshops and doing things online. So I had a little bit of a sniff of that. I'd just come back from Iraq. I enjoyed it. It was mostly to do with boxing, a little bit of self-development. It was good. But going into this next part of my life, having sold those books and realized how much effort you've got to put in to keep that rolling. I mean, you know, 100 emails a day is a lot, you know. So back then you were using Aweber, for example, to, to email 100 people a day. But it, it was a success that came a little bit quicker than I anticipated. But the market was different back then. Ebooks were just coming out. It wasn't, Amazon wasn't even part of this yet. It was all ClickBank and buying directly from the website. So um, I found that exhausting. Going into this novel idea, you know, yeah, it's a good story. I think it's a good story. It's, it's well edited, I think, so far. The storyline's good. The plot line's everything's strong. It's current in today, even though it goes into the future and it goes to the, the past. Um, I understand exactly what you're talking about in the process of editing. And, you know, there's nothing worse than you look at your, your, your manuscript and think it's done and you print it out. Then you read it and you're like, oh, you can see all these mistakes again. It seems like an ongoing process, right? So, I mean, the, the story was finished four years ago. This has been the last six months of putting that story into, a, hopefully, you know, it's, all, it's always like that. It's like handing in your exam to, at the end, isn't it? It's like, did I do this properly? I think it's strong. I've given it to other audio, um, authors, like just a little bit here and there as we went. They think it's strong, giving me the confidence that it's strong. So, like everyone has always advised me in the beginning, write a book. The hardest part's the war that you face when you finish the book, and the war being getting it published. It's gonna. They always said, and even all the the seminars and the, the things I've watched online, everyone says be prepared to get hurt. You know, you want to give it to someone, and you expect and hope that someone's going to say thanks. I'm going to give you a big 
big bit of money. You look after that. You carry on working. You do all these different things. That's a dream come true. And I'm not going to lose that dream. Same as being a boxing champion or a boxing. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to think I can't win, even if I get knocked down. I had eight fights in a row at one point in my boxing career. Then I joined the Marines. So there's always a there's always a there's always there's always a goal when I can't see the end of it being a failure, but I know it's going to be challenging, um, and we've got to make decisions. Yeah. Coming into this conversation, my 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 goal. I've put, I've picked out two or three agents that I think would would be perfect for this type of genre or this type of challenge. I'm not 100% sure, 100%, 100% sure which genre I would be going in. It certainly would be a fantasy drama, fantasy thriller. There's a bit of horror in there. There's a bit of eroticism in there. There's a bit of religion in there. All sort of going different directions. I think what the public want, I've, I've written this book for the audience rather than when I wrote Facing the Demons, I wrote this book for me. I wanted that book to be there for my son and for me to look back when I was feeling down how do I get strong? So that, that, and I dedicated that book to Gabriel, my son as well. That was a different gig. I wanted to, I wanted to get my, my, my leadership skills caught in a, in a book. And that was what Fighting Your Demons was. Attitude Revolution 2015 was more, again, given tips of self-development, how to get better attitudes and how to look at that. That was, that was a really great book. I loved writing that book and it made me a better guy. In the box and stuff, I've always done that. This is a novel, a fantasy novel. It's, 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 it's you know, it's something different, but it's now been put away. And I and I believe that I was writing to the audience in this one. I was certainly writing to the, the, the victims of satanic ritual abuse. I was writing to the victims of child abuse. I was writing to perpetrators of it too. Really, there's a lot of lot of lot of stuff in there that I've and, and that's not the only audience, but at the same time I was trying to bring a general audience through adventure into the reality of why the world's confused. We have Catholics. Christians, sorry, Christians fighting Muslims, Muslims fighting Muslims, Muslims fighting Christians, Buddhists fighting Muslims, and it's just continuing, and everyone's fighting about the wrong, the wrong thing, though the book in, in, in its, its essence says the three religions, the, the Buddha, the, the Jesus, and the, and the Muhammad, they're all getting on fine, you know, in heaven. So we got to fucking realise, hey, maybe we should go on a little bit better and start blaming each other on our religions to stop fighting. So there's lots of underlying themes throughout the book. So in, in regards to writing for the audience, I thought I, I have right now, so I'm quite confident in that, you know, and, and that's why I'm, I'm sort of thinking I would rather have an agent or someone who I could talk to who could give me feedback and I could rewrite or write more or write less. Or I'm already on the second book, just heavily editing this one right now, and you know it's exhausting, it takes a lot of time. We've already started the second book, so we're already beginning, we're already beginning running away with the second book. Good. I reckon I could pull off. If I had financial resources, I reckon, and of course it comes down to the use like this, but if I have if I have financial assistance on this project, I could pull out four books a month a year with the content that's already written. You know what I mean? So it's really I said to Lisa, you know, I feel like I'm just sewing the plots together, you know, like now that I'm going through this, it's like, you know, in chapter like you said, in chapter one it says this, it's like dropping a seed. And chapter five, chapter six, that blossoms, and then another one. And so bit I've been the last few weeks maybe just going around the story, just making sure that seed matches that. You know, so everything, everything ties up. And it just takes time, Chris. I, I don't know, I sit here for 10 hours a day at times and then like, I'm not even yet. You know, I've got to get up and do it again because I just get so lost in it. So it's been great. So the writing process, I'm happy with. It's been a great journey. This process, I realize I'm going to war. And you've just really told me a lot of the things that I'm going to have to face going into this war, finding the right person. I just wanted to make the point, Danny. I'm sorry if I, I, I 
I'm not being negative. I'm being, this is to people at home. I'm being realistic, which is good. Because if it's you wander really out into a maze without a compass and you've got a blindfold on, you, you're not going to get to the end of it, right? What, one weird. sec, Danny. I'm just going to pause one second. What I wanted to come on to, Danny, is, is everything that I'm saying is actually positive because it, it, it gives you a roadmap now, a realistic one, rather than what most of us had as authors when we, we had to learn all this. We were deluded. We was wandering out into the maze and just smacking into hedges and wondering why and the pain it causes you. Believe me, the pain it causes by not having the right deal for your baby, your, your, you know, part of your life is way more painful than having to listen to a podcast with a big eared guy telling you that maybe your dream isn't, you, you got to tweak it a bit on, honestly, it's, we got to get this right. Absolutely. That's why I reach out to you and, I, and, 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 and other, other authors as well. I was like, you guys have done this. I'm going into this and it's, it's a blind new industry. There's everywhere I read is like, you're going to get heartbroken. You're going to get heartbroken. You're going to get heartbroken. And I'm like, okay. So rather than like, you're just saying there, yeah, go out blind and just take the heart beatings. I'll take the beatings of my heart. It's like, right. Okay. I want to be thick skinned. I want to get the right. I want to get the right. Like you said before, I want to make sure I got on the right path. Don't waste time. I don't want to disrupt this heart myself anymore than I've been disheartened over the years of writing this. I want to just get someone who's willing to pick this up with me, run with me and see if there's if there's energy behind it. If there's not, then maybe we'll just decide to, there's to reject it. There's, there's always energy behind whatever you write. And this is for, for our friends at home. It's how we, we position ourselves and we pitch our work and we reorder the work so that it's going to hit the marks. The two things I just want to finish up by saying, and then I'll open the floor to you, Denny. You can ask me, just ask me all those questions that I would have wished I could have asked a published author back in the day. Um, the two things I was going to say, so I'm going to talk about how to approach an agent or a publisher using my backdoor approach. And then I was going to talk about why it's actually not a bad thing if you don't get the traditional deal. Um, so the approaching a, a publisher and agent is obviously a bit of nepotism always works. If you know someone that knows someone, then, then obviously go and ask them, right? Um, I've, I've picked up the phone to my publisher and said, John, got a guy here, got a great book. He's actually had it self-published and sold this many copies. The publisher's gone, ah, yeah, we'll, we'll take that. The next thing you know, this chap's got a publishing deal, right? I've also had the chap then on the phone to me a month later going, Chris, why did you let me sign this? They're doing this to my book. They're doing this. He doesn't think my jokes are funny. And I'm like, dude, you wanted me to get you traditionally published. I told you these are the pitfalls I told you, right? So the first is obviously exploit all, 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 all your angles. If you're going to approach an agent or a publisher, like I say, the work's got to be polished perfectly. 
you've got to have an interesting um, biography about yourself, which sells you. Why are you a good guy that people are going to want to read your books, right? So if, if for example, um, you're a woman that's worked in the ghetto in Hong Kong, saving uh, problematic heroin users from certain death by bringing them to, to Jesus, right? That's a, I'd put that in your bio, right? Because I'd want to read your book and I'd, and I'd probably want to read your second one. And, and I know you've got that rich history, Denny. If you, if you haven't, you've got to think, you know, well, how, how can I pitch? You, you've got to make, you don't undersell yourself, right? They want a guy because it's all public image these days. It's all social media and video and interviews and, and this kind of thing. Um, so it's all got to be good. You've got to have your work perfect. You've got to have a good introduction letter. If they say, send me three chapters, send them three chapters. Don't send them your whole manuscript. Don't send them one chapter. If they want it one and a half spaced, one and a half space your sentence, your, your, your lines. Because if you don't, you might get some intern that's been told if they don't follow the instruction, bin it. That's not the kind of, you know, this, this kind of thing. I believe, yeah. Thing to mention is don't get disheartened. You don't know, and this is sadly how it works, is they generally get the interns to read the manuscripts. How the hell does a 21-year-old graduate, 22, 20, understand what it is to be a Royal Marines commando fighting in a war zone, having come through drugs, alcohol, what, whatever, you know, the, the story might be, the bio might be, they might just look at, oh, that isn't about wizards who can, you know, fly on, bin that. So, so what I'm trying to say is don't, don't think just because you've sent it that they've really read it and that they really know you because they don't. And, it, and it's no reflection on, on, on your work, right? The other thing is people, I find professionals just aren't really that good. I, I don't mean, I've, well, maybe I am being disrespectful. I just think that human beings are becoming more and more failed as we move on and they don't actually recognize a good story. I mean, for example, my eating smoke when one, this is not sour grapes. I genuinely don't care. In fact, I don't, not sure if I'd want it to be turned into a film, but why are they making like, you know, police Academy 587, the, the return of the police cadets when they could make Eating Smoke, which would be one of the best films ever made. Like it'd be along the lines of um, uh, uh, the, the Midnight Express or something, you know, a real earthy, deep, meaningful film that people would leave the cinema and go, bloody hell, right? So, so don't take all this personally. It's a game. It, it's like you're fishing for pearls. If you approach one publisher and you get a knockback, well, Feel bad once you approached 200 publishers, but not before that. A hundred minimum, right? You, you've heard all the tales. How many people... Stephen King sent off so many letters before he got his deal, right? It's just the way it works. Now, my backdoor approach, Danny, was... I realised this was a tough gig, right, to get the publishing deal. So I thought, let's be a bit sneaky here. Let's approach some authors that are writing the stuff that I've written, you know, this kind of druggy, true life stuff. 
Um, and I wrote to four authors. I'm a kind of genuine guy, so I made sure I bought their book first, even if I hadn't read all of it. I, at least I did them the, the honor of buying, the respect of buying their book before I approached them. And I just ping them an email by going to their website. Hi, John. Chris here. I'm a, a budding author. I think I've got quite a life story to tell and a da-da-da. Would you be kind enough and read my first chapter and give me yeah. some feedback, right? You are rarely going to find an author that says no. Unless you write to someone that is just so, you know, maybe Ant Middleton, I'm sure he's so busy, just doesn't have time to respond to that. But but most mid-range authors will be delighted that you've asked that that what they actually wrote to them some of them wrote back to me and said yeah sure what why did you ask me they, they were quite honored that i'd yeah the three of them uh, wrote back with invaluable advice which changed my writing career it changed my outlook on editing and on, on writing on the game itself uh, one of them didn't get back to me. And funny enough, years later in, in my career, he's been the only guy that, that I've actually rucked up with. I don't mean I rucked up with him. I mean, this guy tried to fuck me over and now it all made sense why he didn't even have the decency to reply to my, you know, complete egomaniac is what I'm trying to say. So a few of them. why did I do it that way? Well, like I said, I was being a bit kind of duplicitous is I knew because I knew that my work was right. Like I'm saying, folks, get it right, get it edited, get it proofread. I knew that one of them, Danny, would write back to me and go, do you know what, Chris, this is good. I'm going to speak to my publisher about you. And that's exactly what happened. All right. I got a phone call from a publisher in Hong Kong. Hi, Chris. Pete here. Um, yeah, heard you're writing a book. Heard it's quite good. Yeah, sure. Okay, as soon as you finish writing it, we'll publish it. I was like, yeah, do you want me to send... No, no, that's, you know, you obviously know what you're doing. Just send us a manuscript. Danny, that was my dream come true. That was, dream. That was my... I was sat there thinking, who should I phone? <laughs> I'll phone my dad. Dad, yeah, I'm a published author. Oh, yeah, all right, son. Yeah. Anyway, just going to go and plant the potatoes. Oh, all right. Bye, bye Dad. Oh. <laughs> you know, it really was like that. No, no one to share your excitement with. Her. That's, that's all. But what was it, Danny? It, it, it was, I'd set my goal, I believed in myself, and I'd taken action. And I put the work in and it had come good, right? That you, if you don't do those components, you're never going to, you know, unless you're like I say, some celebrity football star. Um, so that was it. That was my, how I got published without ever having to send a, you know, a manuscript off or an introduction letter. That's a myth. We can take that, you know, in a different direction and say, what's to stop you going on LinkedIn, say, which is an incredibly helpful platform for me now. I get a lot of my podcast guests 
just they they follow me on linkedin and i follow them back or whatever the thing is i friend them or make a business i say hey john you've got an interesting story you want to come on the podcast danny they're always chuffed to bits these guys are like legends they've got they've done stuff in their lives way more than i could ever have you know we're talking combat chopper pilots flying gunships in in three tours of afghanistan and they're very humble and they say, Chris, thank you so much. <laughs> right. So yeah. let's just say you go on LinkedIn, you find a, um, you find the pub, you go to your publishing website, you find who they're, um, who's in charge of like their fiction section for, for adults or, or thrillers or history, whatever it is that you, you've got your, your, your biography, the, the guy that, that commissions biographies, you find their name, find them on LinkedIn, friend them or whatever, send them a polite message. Hi, I'm Denny. Um, Dave, I see that you're into boxing. I'm a boxing trainer in Thailand. You couldn't do a favor for a mate, could you? And just read, re- oh, Denny, yeah, how's it? I've, I've been to Thailand, I've been to Koh Tao. Do you know it? Yeah, that's where I live. Do, do you see what I'm saying? It's the backdoor approach, Danny. It's it's forget like trying to, you know, forget trying to go f- through the front door like the SAS. Walking a, you know, walking the back door like the Coleman. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, um, you've got Facebook and stuff now. Everyone has a Facebook. Pretty much everyone has a Facebook a, a, a account. Um, you're not being a pain here. You're not going to be in like an asshole. You got to do. You got to think. You got to do it respectfully, right? Yeah. How many ex-military must work in publishing houses, or be agents, or be published authors that will speak to their agent on your behalf because you're a fellow bootneck, you know, marine, or you're a fellow sailor or airman, you know, whatever it is. Um, you've got these these methods. Um, so. Yeah, I'd, I'd say exploit them um, to those people that maybe haven't got the life experience to do that sort of thing because they don't they haven't been of this or that or the other. Get some life experience, isn't it? You know, it's a, this is this is why I'm always saying get out and smash your life. Um, so. That's about it. And the final thing I was going to say is. There's no downside to self-publishing your book right what i mean is especially if you do it the way i said by setting your company up having a nice logo and some isbn numbers and a nice cover you can have a website just says you if you, you go to surf books it just says surf books you click the surf books and you can email me it's that's it i haven't i don't even man that website right um and by going that route, there's a lot you can do. You can put a link to your book on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your, on your website. You can start a Facebook group if, you know, for people who have been the victims of satanic abuse. You know, you can, you can um, put tweets out, hashtag SRA, satanic ritual abuse, uh, you might like the, you know, you, there's ways you can explore to start building a community and a momentum online. Remember, 
You only need a thousand people that like you and they'll take you through your career. That's what I'm doing now, finding now with a podcast, meeting some lovely people. They don't do, they don't care if I do a podcast about a digital watch. They just like supporting me, right? And I, I love them for it and they've changed my life. Um, so you can start doing that. Then of course you do the thing I said, you get your next book out. You don't rest on your laurels because you won't make it that way. Even I, you know, even even the guys that get the £70,000 deals, they've still got to write another book, right? You get your next book out. You make it available to people. So many authors will bring out their first book and they've got it for fourteen ninety nine on on Amazon and the Kindle is eight ninety nine. It's like, are they deluded? They're up against the best-selling authors in the world and their books are for $2.99. You know, paperback six ninety nine. What what are they thinking? Why are they going to buy your, you know, rubbish self published effort when they've got they can get Stephen King or Tom Clancy, right? It, it's about um, judging the market. My my fiction's ninety nine p. It's really good. I could put it up if I wanted to be of the kind of hey, I've written this book. You're not getting it for ninety nine p. That's fine. That's fine. I just have to expect not to sell as many copies, right? You can do a thing on Amazon. You put your book for free. You can put it for free for a week. When you do that, generally goes from selling two or three copies a month up to 200 a day, 200 the first day, 150 the second. And it goes down like because a lot of people, they got their eye out for that, right? You can upload your book into torrent files. The people can download it. You can, um, you know, you can do all these things. Um, so it's not a bad thing to go that route. It just means you've got to work your project differently. You, it isn't just a case of writing a book, giving it to your publisher and they take care of it for you and, and, and you start writing the next one. Damien Lewis, I'm talking to him tomorrow night. You might want to watch that. It might be a bit late for you, Danny, but you can watch the podcast um, after the live show, obviously. Yeah, I and he's had his publisher for 20 years now, got a great relationship with him. Obviously, all he has to do is do the manuscript, isn't it? And those guys know, they know his style. They know how yeah. to finish it. Um, he writes on all SAS type stuff. So, of course, there's a market. You can probably yeah. write one SAS book, then write another and another. And a third of this book's probably in this one and a third of that. You know, I'm not saying Damien's like that because he's a very professional man. But what I'm saying is you get kind of cross content, don't you? You get you, you get or you get cross ideas even, which makes it easier to, to start writing. So none of it's negative. It's all good. There's avenues available to all of us now. We just might have to be prepared not to be the J.K. Rowling on week one of, of printing our book. You know, and, and, and why would you want to be? Because, you know. So over to you, Denny. Ask me anything that you like and I'll, I'll shut up for a minute. Well, first of all, let me say thank you very much for, uh, number one, taking the time to, to piece this together, to be able to teach me everything that you have taught me today. I think it's very invaluable. I've watched a lot of stuff online and I've 
certainly taken a lot from what I've watched online, but what you're telling me hand, from a first-hand knowledge today is amazing. And it's sort of cemented and taught me things that I didn't know. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking the time and doing yeah. this for me. I know this will help a lot of people. That's, that's guaranteed. So I've got a couple of questions, and I think you covered most of the stuff, but I think most, for most, certainly most authors, they're going to be writing a book to get some sort of money, money to re return. What, what would you have written six books? You've published six books. Three traditionally and, and three by your own publishing company. Is that, that's right, right? In, well, in comparison... My, it was my first book that was published three times by three different publishing houses. Oh, right. I didn't explain. With no disrespect to any of those publishing houses, although one of them does get a bit of disrespect, but let, 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 let's not be sour grapes. Um, if you're an independent guy like me, Danny, and you can tell I'm passionate about what I do. Yeah. It was a painful process. You know, it, I don't mean these particular publishers. I mean, getting working with publishers in this day and age, if you care about your work and you want it presented in a certain way and you want, and you want it to be promoted, you don't want to see your book fail. It's taking you yeah. 18 months. Took me six months to write or five months to write it. Took me a year and a month, Denny, to learn how to edit it, right? Yeah, it's a long process. You know, so... So I found it a really painful experience. For example, to rock up at a book launch that you've organized yourself, that you might have flown halfway around the world at your own expense, right? You're never gonna get that money back. Don't, it's, it's not, not a huge amount of money in selling books, right? Yeah. Um, or, or, or when you've got one book, there's not a huge amount of money. Even if, you know, $70,000 advance, you're going to spend that in two years, right? And then, and then what do you do, right? Um, and to rock up at a book launch and then, like, the publishers forgot to get some books printed. So, you know, you're the number two best-selling author in the country and there's no books for people to buy. So you don't make the number one spot because there just aren't books. You know, it's all done on sales through the bookshops. There aren't your, your books not available. It's got to wait now three, three weeks to be reprinted at the height, the pinnacle of your career. Oh, mate. And you're not going to get an apology for that. You're not yeah. going to get our oh, Chris. Look, we've really, we've, it, 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 there'll be no, it's just like a void. There's nothing. It's like, dude, where's, where's, where's my book? Oh, and it's it's always someone else's fault, isn't it? It's the distributor, or it's the printer, or it's the this. And um, yeah, a very painful experience, Danny. So my first book was three publishers, and after that, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to take charge of my work now. I'm going to put it through my company, my own company. I'm going to take all the royalties, even if they're significantly less, but I will get those royalties for the rest of my life and my son will get them for the rest of his life. The Kindle will be on there. Don't, you don't have to do anything for a kid, you know, this thing, this thing got to be printed. You, but 
even though Amazon take care of that obviously for you and so do Ingram Spark. Um, but if I see pound eighty trickle into my bank at the end of the month, do you know what? I'm going to be so bloody chuffed about that. I've earned that money. I got the designer that, the, you know, I, I'll be prepared to take a loss, even if it costs me £1,000 to get edited and I don't make that back for 10 years. I don't care. It's Life isn't about the money. It's about, you know, sometimes it's just about doing the right thing. And of course, what happens is if you're committed and you keep putting out to the universe and you keep trying to be selfless, the universe gives back to you. So what happened? Started a podcast, didn't I? Off the back of the podcast, it became po a popular podcast. In the podcast, you'll see me go, hey, folks, the book I'm talking about is this. What happens? You go to your Amazon. You sold seven more books that day than usual. Yeah. At the end of the month, you're getting in the hundreds of pounds on Amazon as opposed to like the 35 quid that, that you were making before, right? Yeah. So um, I suppose that was... That was that was the crux of my question there to, to balance out the the three publishers that publish your one book in comparison to you having five books from your own publishing company. What's the weight in that? Does this does it even out, or does your own publications <coughs> make money in, in general than the publication um, five against one? Really so let me just narrow this. Let, let's get the figures right. So I've got Eating Smoke, my first memoir. That's that one. Eating Smoke. It's great. Cover. 40 Nights was the follow-up, my what people would call a recovery memoir. I've got The Drift and The Trade is the follow-up in my fiction series, which is a beautiful career to embark on writing fiction. You learn so much, right? So that's four books. I've got my free how to write a memoir guide. I suggest everyone reads that, right? That was my fifth. Answer. The sixth book is what I'm writing now. I'm just finally doing the editing and the cover. I'm going to put some photos in this book. So I've got to learn a new skill now, right? That's going to be called State of Mind, the Marine slogan. Uh, it's about my running the length of the country, my ultra marathon a day for 36 days. Um, so that'll be my sixth book. And I've got on the computer another four books that are all in the either process. an idea or I've written a few words words on it. Yeah. Now, um, I thought when I started writing fiction, it would just take off because I was a published author and I had... You know, I've got a lot of people on social media. I had about over 100,000 at one point. But here's another lesson. On your social media, don't just go following everyone that follows you, which I thought was a good thing to do. I thought I was being kind of loyal and, hey, they'll stick. No, because most of people following, they don't even know who you are. They just might see something and go, oh, I like him. I'll... And Jams up. what happens is, they ruin your algorithm because when you put a tweet out or a Facebook, they just ignore it. So Facebook yeah. goes, oh, this post isn't interesting. We won't show that to the internet. 
and they hide Facebook yeah. will hide it and Twitter will hide your post. So you've got a hundred thousand people and you're getting like two retweets. If that a lot of the tweets yeah. don't even get any, right. I'm actually in the yeah. business, Danny, of having to like unfollow everybody again now because they're not, they're not helping me. I'm, yeah. um, I get that. So, so I was really in- surprised, really surprised Danny that my fiction, it did all right. The first month I made 160 pounds off my book, which was just like, wow. It might not sound a lot to people, but that that's good in, in you know. Um, most self-published people won't make 160 quid in their lifetime. So to get it in your first month was okay. But then it just trickled down. Then other things come up in your life. So you can't just keep promoting that book. I spent a year writing the second one, the, the, the second one, the drift. Possibly that's too long to be writing a book. You need to get that down. You need to get a book out every six months at least, right? This is all just stuff you learn. Um, and so it's got to a situation where I now earn more of my own published books than I do from my traditional publisher. And that more is going up, not not exponentially, but gradually now that I've got the podcast. Yeah. You know, now that there's more people interested in me, uh, in my story, and that I can inspire people because I'm on the, the podcast in front of them. It's more of a reason, you know. Um, I give a lot of my work away for free. Uh, if you join my Patreon group, it's just two pound a month. One ninety nine a month is the bottom level. You get all my memoirs, right? Um, why? Well, that two pound—that's actually more than I'd earn if you got all my memoirs through my publisher, <laughs> right? Not that, not you know, either of my publishing companies. The margins are so small. Certainly, if you paid my Patreon for two months, that's four pounds. That, that's that's a good return on the books. That's not why I do it, Denny. I, I do it because I genuinely appreciate people supporting me. And, I, and I, it's like, here's a freebie. You know, here's my work for free. I don't care do you know- if they want to give that Kindle that Kindle file to their mate. And it, I, it, it, it's all exposure, isn't it, really? I've been, out, I've been out of online for a long time, but I've been eight years here in Coast Guard. And I, I've not, for six years, I've not had a bank card. So that's another reason why I don't go out and buy all these different things because I don't have the access to it. I've been living in a sort of jungle environment for, for ages and ages, you know. But uh, literally, the way that I see you guys with podcasts, which is the most... I don't watch TV anymore, Chris. I don't. You know, like I, I'm busy working on writing or something like that, or we, when we're brain dead, we'll, we'll just jump online and, and watch something which inspires us, you know, so we don't, we're not really a TV kind of person, so the podcast industry coming along, you know, like your, your podcast, for example, I might not be online for six weeks, but I'll spend the next four or five days catching up on everything I've missed, you know, and that's how I, that's <coughs> how I work it. And I think, you know, like having Patreon or having people donate to, towards your work, well, that's a new industry, isn't it? It's a fantastic industry that once I have a bank card, once I you know get going, well, I'll definitely be involved. I think we need, you guys need need this in, income so you can keep on doing this because people don't realize it takes a lot of your energy talking to people all day. It takes a lot of energy editing your own films, man. And that takes the most time of all things. 
going like what we talk now two and a half hours already so you're going to have to spend the next uh, another two and a half hours finding the bits so you can clip it here and there that's five hours and it goes on and on and so the time that you spend to get this product that you get which is always perfect you should be rewarded for that mate you know and it's the same as the authors and the same as the books and filmmakers all, all of the arts we need to be paid for the work that we do at some point. Otherwise, you can't be this author or this artist again, you know, and, and then we have to go back and be a brookie or a joiner or, for myself, boxing, boxing coach, which I love. But my point is, we need more money going into your industry, what you're doing right now, your podcast, people, people like, for example, I would say, what we've spoke about for the last two and a half hours, 10 years ago, would be worth $350. Just this conversation itself. Yeah. Right back in the day, that's what it was all about. When I launched Biting Your Demons in 2009, I could have, well, I did, I sold lots of courses for $350, but I would spend one hour talking to someone like this three times in a month. Job done. That's what it was like. So, what you're giving away for free is amazing. Very rich in content. You can really become a very better, a lot better of a person listening in but to what you're doing. So, I think it's awesome that you, you, you get the opportunity. Um, to do a monthly um, payment to, to your service and also that you have a platform also to tell people about your writing and the work you're doing and the charities that you're doing and the people that you know are doing other things as well. I congratulate you, mate. From the bottom of my heart, I love your work. You know, I'd say like over the last sort of period of time, I'd wish I had more time to catch up before I got in this meeting with you exactly. I've probably done that six hours prior to, but it's been hectic for us at the moment. But uh, I, I really love what you've talked about. Um, you mentioned LinkedIn there. Well, I, I, I've not, I'm on LinkedIn, but I've never used it ever. You know, I've got Twitter. I've only really in the last few months started looking at Twitter because I've been off main online. I'll like, I'll jump onto Twitter for news to see what's going on. Do you, do you use Twitter much? Do you use Twitter much? Would you say that for you selling books or selling product is better to be on LinkedIn? I would say I work so hard and so long hours, Danny, at everything that I my social media goes by the by. I, I just don't get, you know, I see some guys on there. They've always got like their story up, like every day that their story is up. I'm like, dude, how, how are you so organized? And, you know, I'm lucky if I sit down after my morning run to put like a I've been running photo on Instagram, kind of an inspirational with a little bit of inspirational writing like i can look at my watch denny and that's taken me 40 freaking minutes mm -hmm. by the time i've copy and pasted that post into my twitter and my facebook that's yeah. that's 40 minutes of my writing morning gone that's then right. the temptation is then is to is anybody liked it you know that's the the ego in us isn't it has anyone like yeah. oh and then of course all day long you're just it, it, you, you've really got to take a, a warrior approach to it. You've got to have you your have. time when you do your media. You've got yeah. to have a strategy behind your media. What are you doing with it? If you're just putting pictures of your, you know, I'm writing a book. Here's my pina colada. Yeah, one or two of them a month is, is okay. But if that's all you do, what are you doing? You're not selling books, but it's got to be a call to action. You know, yeah. it's got to be a follow me on Facebook. Follow my YouTube, buy my book, sign up to my page. You know, it, it, I'm not saying this to be greedy. You, everything no, has to work. It's a job. It's a job, right? If it's going to make money, 
you have to put the time in. What I found, that's why I come off Facebook and all that six months ago, just like, it's such a distraction. I can't write, for example, at one minute, you're, 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 you're Jesus talking to Muhammad, talking to Buddha, and they're having a real deep conversation about the world's fucking problems. And then you look up, you see a notification coming in and someone's talking shit, calling someone this or calling someone that on a post that you thought was not going to get any of that in it. And it takes your mind out of that, which is the most important part of what I'm doing, and I ain't get caught in that. So what I would do is just take off all online, get up in the morning, maybe you go up at six o'clock or something like that. I spend six to seven, seven thirty doing a catch up with world events, and then I'm offline. And I don't go back online again during the day until I've finished all the tasks that I had for writing. Yeah. But now that I've come to the sort of end of that, I now need to attach my time and effort and meet, like you say, me social media slot in the day where i'm there for an hour pushing what it is my agenda would be and then not spending an hour waiting to see who relaxes come as who responds come off the, the the social media again and then just leave it otherwise like you say i mean when i first lost launched my very successful youtube channel i think there's ten thousand subscribers there i've not done a lot for a long time but it went quite quite well last you know not when i made it and what what it was all about was every video went up. I was sitting waiting to see if anyone would write and then someone would write and, you know, and, and you'd go, what? Trouble you? Why would you say that? You know, and then you end up chasing them down, finding out who they are. And then you find it's a fucking 14 year old kid sitting in his mum's basement, just saying what he wants to see. And he's probably been doing that for the rest of his life. And it took me a long time, maybe a six months, maybe a year before I became thick skinned to that. I didn't chase it down. If I saw something that was there that was just outrageously horrible, I just deleted it and blocked it. And it was just an easy process, but it's time consuming. But most of all, it's heartbreaking because you are so proud of what you've done. I think for guys like us as well, we were Marines. We weren't taught to be, this is egotistic sitting here talking like this and doing this compared to what they thought. You have a book, you've got to sell it. Who do you think you are writing a book? You know, this is ingrained in your head. We weren't taught to be standing out the front being on camera and being a celebrity in any sense, we were taught to be humble and my job is to look after you, Chris, and your job is to look after John, and John's job is to look after, and it goes around in a circle, everyone's looking out for each other, no one's going out of, no one's thinking they're better than everyone else, everyone's quite equal in their way of thinking. We have a structure of, <laughs> a structure of seniority, you know, through, through the sergeants all the way through to the RSMs, through the lieutenants all the way through to the colonels and all that, and it all fits into a nice place. And in an easy <coughs> world, Guys like us come out into civilian life and we have no structure. We don't know what to fucking do. We get so upset and we watch these things and, and we're so getting so raging about the way people see things in life that you can feel my passion rising right now as I'm talking. Sometimes you have to turn it all off and just look after the business. And the business right now for me is I have spent a long time hoping, praying that I can one time become, soon become a, a career writer so I can spend all my time writing, researching, talking to you, collaborating hopefully one day with you and other people so we can get great books out coming in from our own opinions. Because your bios, your bios, my albums, fighting your demons attitude, revolutions, kind of morally bio as well, you know, lots of memoirs, lots of experience. Novel writing is a whole new game, you know. It's like, no, I've just made up a whole story. I've, I've sure used some of the life experiences of many people, but now I'm making it up. Now it's just pure imagination. What happens if no one likes this? What happens if everyone thinks I'm a fucking nutter? 
and then I've still got to write another couple of books because I've got all this stuff has been written for the last eight years. You've got me. If you like, it doesn't matter. I'm here. But I, I really want to sort of get myself published, not self-published. I don't want the drama of it. It was a headache. It cost money. I don't have money anymore. I just want to get someone somewhere along the line who can buy into this this um, this project. And like you said, Chris, I'm going to have to be really aware of that contract, the written contract and all that sort of stuff and hopefully be able to maybe speak with you um, in private when this is happening to see what do you think this would be. What do you yeah, think? by all means do. And utilize all the methods I told you. Backdoor method is obviously, you know. First, the, first, first priority. <laughs> yeah, just get out there and see who you can find and who can open doors for you. And, you know, we're, we're lucky we're part of that brotherhood. So we've got an extra kind of um, string to our bow. Um, but yeah, let's let's wrap up there. Otherwise, no one's going to watch a three-hour video about publishing. Not 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 that I I'm too bothered, but it would be nice to help a few people with this. There'll be a few people, mate, and I think you know that certainly there's a lot of people out there. Certainly, guys from our industry, guys from the, the military, guys who have been out in the, the Iraq or Afghanistan for all these years. They've got all these thoughts in their mind. My my call, if there's anyone watching right now who are into um, um, not into who, who have been a victim of satanic ritual abuse or if they've been a victim of child abuse in any sense, is you guys have the stories which will save the world. You guys need to find the courage to be able to talk to guys like me or Chris and tell your story because we do want to hear, we don't want to judge you. We know there's a big problem and you guys really have the answer to the healing of this. Don't think anything other than you're amazing, you survived, you're there, you're a warrior. And guys like me and Chris, we're Marines, we are warriors, we're commandos. And I would like to help you more and more as I progress through my life now that I'm fully aware of it, you know? Because people need to write, Chris, and what you've just done for us today is, is tell us the truth, the pitfalls, the truth, what you've got to face. It might not be good enough writing, it might not be good enough grammar, it might not be, you know, you might have to spend a bit of money like you did a thousand, like I did before my first book. It does cost a lot of money, but the first one you get, it's definitely worth someone having a proofread and saying, right, okay, for this business I've been in writing, this is what you need to improve on because that can be disheartening, but you need to do it. Exactly. Exactly. On that note, Danny, I wish you all all the best. Um, Thank you, brother. Stay on the line. Um, To everybody at home. I hope you got something out of this, especially all you budding authors out there or even published authors who, who are looking at, you know, how to take it to the next step. If you could like and subscribe. Um, all my books are on Amazon. Just go to Chris Thrall. I'll put links for, for, for Danny below the video. And that's it. Right on, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Chris. That was uh, brilliant. You're welcome, mate. Welcome. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.